Here we go. I'm just a radio girl. I love things that talk to me. You LOL. I did. Truly I laughed out loud. I'm Lisa. I'm great. Everything's fine. Somebody just wrote on my Facebook page, please get your mom on Facebook. We want to be her friend. Do you want to be on Facebook? What is that? Are you on Twitter? I talked to the mailman. <laughs> is that Twitter? Life with Lisa Williams is like a cake. Run around in the sun. Exactly. Put a sprinkler in the yard. This is life. This is this, this is this is life. This is life. 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 This is Life with Lisa Williams. If you missed part one of this story, please go back and listen to Plum, There Is Always Hope, part one. And now brought to you by Cure International, here is part two of Plum's story. It was many months from then, um, but God was doing something in my husband's life as well. And 18 months after we separated, we ended up remarrying each other all over again. Full surprise rogue wedding that he put together. I tell the whole story in the book and there's pictures and everything, but just of like that day. I mean, I remember just weeping and weeping and weeping and walking down the aisle, our children, uh, you know, walking us down the aisle. And, and I remember just whispering to myself, evil has been defeated. And this is redemption. This is what, redemption looks like and and just standing there and looking at these three precious kids that are going to grow up in a home of two parents instead of one and two parents that actually really love each other and have a better marriage than they did before and um man at three five and seven like what a perfect time for them to see redemption and it not really be anything they now don't remember not having you know it's like they were young enough that they kind of forget a lot of that going on. And it's only been a few years, but they're now seven, nine and almost 11. And so the the seven-year-old is now 11. And so they're turning 11, I should say. And so it's like to talk to him, you know, about it because he hears me talk about it from stage. And yeah, and he's like, you know, I remember daddy living at Pops and Nana's house, but it was like he and, you know, he and Pops, which is true. They are in a biz, they have a business together. And at that time they're, they're, business had moved its offices out to his farm. And so my husband had to be out there every single day. And so in that season, I just felt really compelled by God to protect my kids and not say anything bad about their daddy and ask right. their daddy to not say anything bad about me. Yeah. And um, because I felt like if there was even the smallest shred of hope, we don't really need to turn their world upside down unless it's, you know, a for sure thing. And um, on, on top of the fact that children, especially at that age, especially at that young age, so much of their identity of themselves and who they think God is like they, this little, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, seven year old is hearing about God, but are we, you know, God's patient, God's forgiving, God's kind. And it's like, well, are we, cause they identify God a lot in who we are. And so yes. Yes. I remember telling my husband that I was like, we are extremely broken and I don't know how this is going to turn out, but if we love our kids at all, which we do, please do not talk bad about me and I will not talk bad about you. And furthermore, their understanding of who Jesus is, it has so much to do with what, how we're acting. And, um, and I was like, and that's extremely convicting right now because God never leaves and he is faithful and we are not being. And, um, and he was like, I know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, but we just, just, we need space. And, and so, um, anyway, so they, they were told by me, you know, that there's a project that daddy's working on and he has to be out there all the time right now. So let's just pray that he has a good day at work and, 
we'll see him, you know, sometime soon. And, um, the project was a project of his heart. And, um, you know, I was, I was closer to Jesus at that time than my husband was, but I was equally broken. I mean, I was just as broken as he was, but I was like, for him kind of ran away from God Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. he was broken. And for me, I ran to him and said, what I, I messed up big time. Like, help me, help me. And finally, my husband came to that place and it was just a beautiful, it's a beautiful story of just, you know, every little detail, which we don't have time for, of just how he, you know, saw things in me that he had not seen before, or he felt something different or, you know, just his own brokenness, um, connecting with that and almost being afraid to be vulnerable with himself. And one night finally feeling that way, like he could be, and, um, mm-hmm. and the song, like, the song on the, the title track of this record is called Exhale. And that whole, that whole title came from um, the opening line says, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. I love it. I know. <laughs> and really ministered to me at a time when I needed it because that's the truth. We it think we have truth. to be perfect. We think we have to be put together. But you know what? It's okay to not be okay because this is a safe place. Yep. And it was the pastor at the church that my now tour manager, but is one of my husband's best friends, um, he took him to church with him while we were separated and to a different church. And that's the, the pastor opened this, this service with, you know, welcome this morning. If you're new with us today, just know that it's okay to not be okay. This is a safe place for you to be if you're not okay. And my husband, it was weeks before he ever told me that story, but he said, I, I went to church with Ricky and the pastor said this. And he told me, and he said in a very emotional place, he said, I'm not okay. And for the first time in my life, I feel like, you know what? That's okay. It's okay. It's It's a a starting place for me. It's a starting place. And he said that. And again, you know, he was still seeing it from a, I don't know that you and I are going to work out, but I know that I am, there's no way we're going to work out in the state that I'm in. And so I've got to start somewhere. So whether we stay together or not, just know I'm not okay. And, And I'm starting there. And I had to really trust Jesus with him. And that's hard to do mm-hmm. because yeah. in my mind, there were some black and white things that were like, well, you've got to quit doing this and you got to go here and you got to do this and you got to stop that. And, um, my mentor who's, um, at the time she and her husband were the campus pastors where he was going and, and they were kind of pouring into his life and I didn't know them very well yet, but I've, you know, since become really close with them and they are who remarried us. But, um, she came to me one time and she said, he needs a cheerleader. He needs a fan. He needs a best friend. He does not need another mother. He does not need a nag. He doesn't need, you know, the principal of the school. You know, he needs you to cheer him on. He doesn't need you to be his mom. He's already got one of those. And she's like, it would appear as though he's had two moms for a little while. Wow. And I was like, ouch. And she was like, I want to see reconciliation so bad that I will tell you that she's like, because that's hard to hear. She's like, but you can't be his conscience. She's like, you can be such a beautiful influence in his life by the way that you live. She's a bit telling him what he's doing wrong. She's like, Tiffany, he knows that this is wrong. And he knows that that's wrong. She's like, he doesn't need you to tell him that she's like, he needs you to live in truth. He needs you to show grace. He needs you to show forgiveness. He needs you to be different. He needs you to be selfless. And to, you know, she said, because he's really doubting his faith right now. And he thinks it's impossible for his wife to ever be unselfish. She's like, so what if he saw you 
truly be unselfish. Maybe he would believe in the kingdom again. And, um, wow, so I what just started, a wake up call. I mean, that's oh, not man. a message for everyone in every situation, but in that moment, that was for you, wasn't it? It's really yeah, hard. It, it was, it was, it stung. And yeah, she could yeah. tell that it didn't. She hugged me and she was like, and she had been where I had been. And that made it a little less painful to hear from her because she and her husband had been through something identical to mm-hmm. us um, seven years before that. And, mm-hmm. and so I think her husband was able to um, like speak into our life and especially to Jeremy's in a way that no one else could, because we didn't really have any close friends that had separated before we were close friends with everybody that, I mean, everyone in our closest circle were either single, newly married or doing amazing. And, and so for Tiffany and Jeremy to suddenly have imploded, it was like a shock to all of us. And we were all kind of like, uh, so I, I'm not even friends with someone who's been through this. So I don't even know who to call. And, um, and so him going to church with my, uh, tour manager and meeting the campus pastor who had been mm-hmm. through that, they became quick friends. And he yeah. was like, I need you in my life because I've never been here before. And you have. And so his wife was so sweet to like reach out and take me to coffee and reach out and check on me and tell me like, I have been right where you are. So, so anything I tell you is because I needed to hear it myself when I was where you were. And so I could receive it with less bitterness than, you know, like, shut up. (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) You know, actually, you know a lot. So, um, and so we, we, you know, have remarried and, and so hope, man, it is, it, it is, there is an abundance of it overflowing. And sometimes we're in a place so dark, so foggy, so smoky, we just can't see it. But if you can believe that on the other side of that, although not visible to you right now, that there is hope when the fog lifts or the smoke dissolves or the, the light pierces through, you're just like, oh man, it's infinite, like what God could do with this. And you become pretty quickly connected to how we don't exist for us, we exist for him. And so whatever we've been through, he can use for his kingdom. And that's that becomes the most rewarding thing in the world to know that the savior of the universe is able to use me and my ash and turn it into beauty and use it for his glory. Like, okay, well sign me back up for another one. You know, it's like you literally, at least for me, I I just, I love him so much and feel so much more connected to Jesus and trust him so much more that I, you know, I'm certainly not, I'm not, I don't wake up every morning and ask for conflict, but I just, I see, mm-hmm. yeah. I see conflict right. and adversity and, and pain. I a see different it differently. Mm-hmm. I see it in a different way and I'm not mm-hmm. as afraid of it as I think, you know, evil definitely wanted me to be terrified. And I was, man, I was terrified of, of what the future looked like. And that night in my kitchen, man, when Jesus just, I mean, he just wrapped his arms around me. I felt and I've told people that like I, and I, I say this cautiously because I don't want someone to misread, but I, I had developed a crush on him that night. Like, like you protect, you provide, you never yes. leave. You will always He's love, your love me. He is like, your love man, of your life. Yeah. Like you have actually, and it, <laughs> and it really made me aware of how I had idolized my marriage, my husband. Mm-hmm. I had actually loved him more. And, and you think in your mind, when you love your spouse so much, like, well, surely God understands, you know, like how much I, and it's like, he does, but he wants to be first. And, um, he became first that night for the first real time in my life. Like he became first and I knew, you know what? 
I can totally trust you. You will never, ever leave. I will always be beautiful. And in, in your own way, you will protect and provide. And that's just from a, from a woman's standpoint, even you want to feel led and protected and provided for and, and safe. And in this huge house with three small kids asleep and the storm raging outside and the lights are kind of flickering on and off. And I'm not even sure where the fuse box is. I'm like, I don't even know if I've ever used it at that point in my life. And now, of course, I'm very familiar. But I was like, I, I don't know what to do. And it was like, I got you. I've got you. I've got you. I've had you this whole time. I've just, you've been busy, you know, and, and my same uh, mentor, Trisha, that I was referring to a second ago, she posted the other day from another book that she's reading that if God can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And Isn't that the truth? It was like, you know what? And my husband yes. would probably tell you that he was successful at making him bad. So he made his wife really busy. And the the, the, the combo of that was an explosion. And it mm-hmm. was almost detrimental. It was like mm-hmm. he was pretty successful in actually making me bad. And then for me, that's, you know, on behalf of my husband, for me, I'm going to get her really, really busy and really, really self-absorbed. And um, And when you're looking... Again, from the outside in, you don't see it. So just for anyone even right there that might be listening that struggles with comparison, which is something I'm even working on right now in my life, of not comparing my body, my social media numbers, my the charts, the the you know, all those things. When you are about to compare, just know that I think there were people that could look at my life and compare and think, and she's got the marriage I want, she's got the house I want, she's got the kids I want, she's got the career I want, and they didn't know. You know, they didn't know that it was literally imploding from the inside out and they don't want that. And so just be careful when you look at something and say, I want that because with it comes a lot of things that you are completely unaware of. You're usually only seeing the green and the beautiful. You're not really seeing the the brown and the dead and the, you know, right. the rugged. You're not seeing that side of it. And yeah. Yeah. so I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like my calling is to show that, to show the yuck so people really can believe that it really does exist and it's not just you and you're not alone and you're, you're yes. yuck. So. Yes. And, and that he's the one to look to, not to, I want to be as cool as her. Or I want to have what she has, but that he's the only one we look to because like for me, your story, the fulcrum of the entire story of your story is, is what happened when you hung up the phone after calling the lawyer and when mm. you were there with Jesus mm-hmm. and that's really the, fl- if that hadn't happened, like if you had not surrendered your life to Christ in that depth um, and let yeah. him hold you, I don't think your marriage would be restored. Yeah. I mean, you, you had a choice. You could have hardened your heart and said, I cannot believe that man has, has done this to me. I don't deserve it. Um, you could have denied your feelings and acted like everything was okay, but you didn't. You, um, you let Jesus hold you. And you let him be the Lord of your life and you surrendered your, your life to him afresh. And that's, that's where the beauty starts for me. I believe that's where your beauty started. Like you were in the ashes. And so it's all about Jesus in the end is my bottom is. line, right? It is. It's it all is. about Jesus and your relationship with him. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. That's where the hope comes from. Thanks for okay. letting me even just retell this because I, um, I left on Tuesday and now this is Tuesday. And so my husband comes out on Thursday and I haven't seen him for a week. And it's like to be able to retell the story just makes me want to see him even more, you know? Yeah. 
and, and the, the road can be a thing that, you know, it makes it grow fonder. And sometimes you, you start to get into this normal where you're like, okay, I haven't seen him in a week and that's normal. <laughs> and I, you know, it's like, I don't want it to ever be okay. You know, that I've not seen him in a week. I, I want it to be a longing. And so I just, I long to see him on Thursday. <laughs> I'm glad that we had time for you to really unpack it for someone you know, who just doesn't know anything about you. They got to hear it. Some people who knew part of your story, like me, to be able to hear it fully from beginning to end. And all along the way, I'm sure someone else listening feels this way. I relate. Like, you know, all along the story, I was like, oh, I've been there. Or I did that too. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I know that pain. And um, I'm so grateful um, for the hope that you had, even in the friends who had had the the bad situation seven years ago yeah. that their, their pain brought you hope just like you now are willing to let your pain of the past to, to bring hope to someone who's listening right now. Right. I mean, there's someone right. right now who has felt so utterly hopeless yet hearing your story will bring them hope. And you're right. That's what we do. Right. right. It, it, it's like, I don't want that to be, I want him, his love, his presence and our just, longing for for him to be our motivation not to just get the story out of our pain so others can be healed that's what i've always done in the past i always put the cart before the horse like i'm in the ministry and i i want to tell but it's i want so much tiffany for my life to be this aching for complete total jesus saturation in the river of god and that byproduct will be your story helping people to taste and see that how how good he is mm-hmm. and that he can restore. Oh, he can restore anything. He can restore anything. He can. Yeah. Ultimately, the only truth that I would want them to hear that no matter who you are or what you've done, there is always hope. And um, for my life, just like Trisha's life in my life and then someone's life in her life and, you know, goes on and on and on of how our stories affect yes. each other. And to tell your story, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be from stage or in a book. It could just be over coffee. Yes. But whatever your story is, God can use that in someone else's life. And if nothing else, you know, Beth Moore has been quoted as saying, God wants to take our pain and give it purpose. And that's true. I think often we think he, he caused that pain or he allowed that pain. And I don't think that's true. I think that pain is a byproduct of a fallen world. And so in it, God is the ultimate recycler. You know, he can use it and, and, and use it for something beautiful because he knows this is super temporary and, and nothing's freaking him out because he knows he can use it for something good and that we're going to be together forever rejoicing in what good came from that. And so I think when we are in the, the midst of our darkest, most painful experience, we have to remind ourselves this is not our permanent home, but God can use this for something that will have eternal value. And hopefully that will shift our attention just enough off of our own, you know, suffering that we can rejoice in what is is truly, ultimately, hope. Come let us praise Him. Let us kneel at the throne of our God. Through His Son our salvation was bought with mercy and grace. Come let us bow down. His hands are the depths of the earth With one voice we proclaim His great worth Lord our God 